on your outline today, uh, I've indicated these are not your typical three points. Not that any other sermon that I give I feel is typical uh, in the sense of, oh, we're just kind of going through the motions. This first chapter of Ephesians is top loaded. It is wonderful, wonderful, deep, amazing truth uh, that comes out right out of the gate. I cannot imagine receiving this letter as a part of the believers as this letter was distributed uh, in the first century. I cannot imagine uh, going through it and beginning to read and to comprehend some of the things that the Holy Spirit put on Paul's heart uh, to share with the believers. I can't, I can't imagine uh, how amazing uh, this truth had to resound in the ears of those early believers as they needed such encouragement to press on with the faith under circumstances that were difficult and uh, most of the time brought some sort of a persecution. Oh, it's just amazing uh, what God did, uh, how he did it. And so we are going to feel this uh, as we go through that this morning. I hope that you're not overwhelmed. I hope you are uh, encouraged by how amazing God is as we explore uh, these truths in the coming weeks of getting into uh, Ephesians. Now, I want to do a little bit of, I want to say pop culture. Uh, you're going to have to know a specific musical if you want to get to, Who knows the musical, uh, The Music Man? Anybody know that musical? Okay, so if I said the blank, blank wagon is coming down the street, all right, some of you are remembering, maybe the wheels are turning, and it is the Wells Fargo Wagon. Now, some of you uh, who do not know the music man or do not know the history of the way life used to be before we all had gadgets and everything and we could do whatever we wanted and, <laughs> the, and you're going, what in the world is the Wells Fargo Wagon? Uh, the Wells Fargo Wagon is a part of this musical, and it was a part of culture and life. Uh, it, it was kind of like the pre-UPS truck. You would order things if you lived uh, in places where you weren't next to the cities and you had to catalog or whatever, and you called and you'd order things, and the Wells Fargo Wagon would come through town, and it would bring you stuff. And in the musical, there's this scene where the, the excitement of the Wells Fargo Wagon is coming, and maybe it's bringing all the musical instruments, and they're all really excited and so last night, uh, I, I go on YouTube, and I press this, and my wife is like, what are you listening to? Alliance is the Wells Fargo wagon. And so sure enough, uh, my illustration on all this is made for me in the comments. First of all, you got the people in the comments on the song that are kind of making fun of Wells Fargo for ripping everybody off and the fake bank accounts and all that kind of stuff that they did. So you see some of that in the YouTube thing. Uh, in the comments, but you also see, oh man, this is kind of like before the days of what? Amazon, right? You used to be able to go to Amazon, or now you can go to Amazon, you can dial up whatever you want, and it's there like in a day or two, and you don't have to wait for the Wells Fargo wagon to come. Now, why in the world am I talking about stuff and materials and UPS trucks and Amazon trucks and the Wells Fargo wagon? Because here's the deal. Uh, we get this excitement when these things are coming, and they are coming from outside of what we currently have. So there's a, in the case of the musical, in the case of history, there's a wagon that's going to come into town. It's from outside, and it's bringing things that are from outside. And when we order something on Amazon, and it's coming, we have that anticipation, it's coming from outside. And the connection that I want to make today is that the blessing that we experience in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
it comes from outside of this world, outside of what we could even pay for. So that's where my illustration breaks down. The Wells Fargo wagon and the Amazon order, we pay for it. And as we're going to find out as we go through this today, we don't, we don't pay for the blessing that comes from outside of our world, outside of our sphere of influence. We see God working in incredible ways. First today, we are blessed by God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All the blessings of heaven are for us. He wants us on earth to know those blessings. He has blessed believers. This is not some little microcosm or sliver or pick one religion against another because we're going to compare which ones are better. This isn't a class that you might take in high school or college on world religion. This is God in the book of Ephesians telling us as believers that the world, the very plan for the world is for us to experience all the blessings of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. That's a worldview. It's not the answer to a trivia question. And it's amazing. So let's just start there and embrace that. I hope your hearts are beating and they're warm with excitement right now of this truth and what God is doing. That's where I got my title from today. A relationship with Jesus. Heavenly blessing. Heavenly glory. The theme of this series is identity surrendered. And in the very, very beginning of the first chapter, we're going to see so many different things about the identity we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And so what we see is our identity will be shaped not by what we're able to bring and what we're able to offer in this life. Our identity as believers in Jesus will be shaped by God doing it in such a way that he is operating from the heavenly realms outside of this physical planet on which we live and bringing those blessings to us. You know what this sounds like? Has anybody gotten excited about Christmas yet? You can be honest. Maybe like it's 2020, everything has gone wrong. Maybe Christmas will go right, <laughs> right? It sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? I, I picked a, a scripture verse here, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. The word here, I won't go into all the depths of it, but the word is Jesus. That's the word that um, John is using to represent Jesus. He became flesh and he dwelled among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the very similar message that John gives Paul is giving here in the first chapter of Ephesians. We are blessed by God from the heavenly realms and places to this earth. Incredible. Such power in that. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We'll kind of chunk the next two verses together, verses 4 and 5. So if it's true that we can say we are blessed by God, I'm going to put it right up here. Uh, it is right in the text, and I want to explain this to you this morning. 
it says that we are chosen by God. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Maybe this makes you squirm just a little bit. There are natural questions that come when we are taught that we are chosen by God. When we see it clearly in scripture, it says that we're chosen by God. These questions come. I thought, I thought that I decided to follow Jesus. What does it mean if God chose me? Am I some sort of a robot or a puppet? And I don't have, you know, the ability to, to control that decision? What, what do you mean? I want us to stay on the page right here. The blessings are being described. They're from heaven and to earth. And what they involve is God's choosing. Now, the word chosen and the language context that we see here is a strong parallel to the way that God chose a nation uh, in the Old Testament. He called Israel out of the other uh, nations. He had specific purposes for uh, Israel. Not everybody that was a part of that was uh, certainly with God in obedience, and their obedience uh, kind of came in waves uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, but it's similar wording and understanding. Now, uh, before, we, before I answer any more questions or try to offer anything else in here, I want us to see verse 5 because the motive uh, for God is very clear. At the end of verse 4 in the ESV, it starts the next sentence. It says, in love, and then it goes to verse 5 and says, he predestined us for adoption as sons. I don't want us to miss that motive for God predestining us or choosing us to be adopted as sons, it's in love that God does this. So the question that needs to go through our mind is, what is the nature of God's love that he would choose believers to be a part of his family? Paul is the only New Testament writer who writes this way, who talks about adoption. This isn't the only place where he does it. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 8 comes to mind as well. Uh, but Paul is the only one who uses the illustration. So what we want to do is take the illustration and, and, and put it in context and run with it. I, I want to go back. I mentioned that God called out uh, Israel. Here's Deuteronomy 10, uh, kind of a summary statement. The Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Deuteronomy is toward the end of the time that they spent in the desert. They're preparing to go into the promised land. And here is Moses reminding them in a very similar way of what we're seeing in Ephesians chapter 1. What was God's motive for choosing the nation of Israel? Love. He set his heart in love on their fathers and it chose their offspring after them, them above all peoples. All right, and so this is what we want to see in Ephesians chapter 1. God is calling believers. Don't let it be lost on you this morning that this is plural. All right, Paul is writing to believers first at Ephesus and then to a wider audience who would receive this letter, and this is a plural thing. And so anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ or anybody who becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, God's purpose is to show his great love as a father, as a parent, and to welcome people into salvation, into a relationship with God, and into God's family. Now, the end of the verse 5, all right, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to to the purpose of his will, and then verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. So God's motives are love, 
and praise and to show his grace. I would never stand here and teach you that you, our, our salvation as individuals, if we come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, that it comes by our merit. I would never teach you that. We don't come and we say, well, God, I've got this much money and I've got these many works and so surely I'm qualified to be forgiven for my sin and to have a place in heaven. I would never teach you that. This teaching, and as we finish this sermon today, we see God's motive as love. We see him choosing us. We see it uh, as connected to adoption and into the family. We see it as connected into love. Now, the question about, well, do we just become robots? Do we have absolutely no idea uh, what's going to happen or how we're going to be a part of it or who's going to be next? We might as well just not do anything because God is the one who's choosing people anyhow. It seems kind of arbitrary, so let's not just do anything. Unfortunately, some Christians respond that way. The problem with that response is that we don't see anybody in the witness of the New Testament record who responds to this doctrine that way. Paul, the apostle, led an amazing group of people. Read Romans 16 if you want an idea of the, the type of ministry that Paul led and the group that he led and formed by making disciples, by training people to share the gospel, by training up leaders and establishing elders in different locations and all that sort of thing. It came with difficulty and hardship and trial and, and all of these things, young people, old people, different people from backgrounds, unbelievable the team that Paul built. So to say that we should listen to this doctrine that God chooses us as sons and daughters and welcomes us into uh, the family through adoption uh, so he can show his grace and earn the praise for that, the, the assumption that we would just kind of say, oh, well, forget it. We don't have to tell anybody else about Jesus. Oh, forget it. I'm just going to kind of go, you know what? I don't want to be, and we, we have these negative responses. We don't, that would not match with the rest of the New Testament record. What happens is this doctrine actually inspires people to go out and to share the truth with Jesus because they want more people to be a part of that family. And here's the other thing that we have to be very obvious about is, uh, last I checked, I didn't wake up this morning with my God card in my wallet. <laughs> I'm not God. I'm assuming that none of you are God either because we're all humans. I want to point out to us today that for us to get into the mind of God can be a big mistake. <laughs> to try to figure out all the complexities of this can overwhelm us to a point where all God wants us to really know is that he's calling a group of believers out in the New Testament and has since, and he loves us and wants us to, to understand his grace and experience it, and he wants us to be a part of the family. That's what's on the page. To stray outside of that with this doctrine is to stray outside of the intent with which Paul wrote. I'm just trying to keep this in a box for you. The doctrine that we're chosen, the doctrine that we're predestined is because God wants to be glorified and he wants to remind us that we're recipients of his grace when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other thing that happens. If you say, well, I don't have any choice and I don't, I, you know, I didn't choose. Yes, you did. You did choose Jesus. You responded to the gospel. Somebody brought it to you. Paul writes about this a lot. He writes about people who bring the gospel to an area and people hear it and they respond and they choose to follow Jesus. Just because we're chosen by God doesn't mean that we don't engage God. Uh, what I'm encouraging you 
is to know the balance of the scriptural record. To be able to take this teaching in Ephesians for where it is and to know the balance of the scriptural record. It does not exclude us responding to the gospel. It does not exclude us making a choice to follow Jesus. I encourage you to do that regularly. But it doesn't mean that when I'm taught in Ephesians chapter 1 that God is calling Christians out as a part of his family so he can display his adoptive, loving heart toward us. It doesn't mean I'm going to turn my blind eye because I want to stay in control of my decision on whether I'm saved or not. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship God and trust that he knows what he's doing and that he brought me as a person. He brings believers all the time to him and that we should, we should never let a doctrine like this uh, stop us from going and sharing the gospel. Hope I've been fair to that. More than happy to discuss. I know it's a big question. I wanted to give you uh, some parameters, uh, some, some framework there uh, as you think through that. Don't be turned off by it. Actually, the goal here is praise. Praise God because he does this. Praise God because he works this way. He is a loving, loving God who wants more and more people to be a part of his family. Okay, so let's uh, put some flesh on this. How's this going to happen after verse 6? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. Think about this. Think about redemption in the beloved at the end of verse 6 in Jesus. So in him we have redemption through his blood. I want you to think about this. Uh, who's ever been to Chuck E. Cheese before? Okay. And if you like food that doesn't taste like cardboard, maybe you've been to like Dave and Buster's. <laughs> All right. And so you went to maybe a more grown-up place, and they have some uh, different games that you play or whatever. And the bottom line is you, you'll go and you pay all this money uh, for overpriced food, which isn't really that great. And you go play all this money to go play these games. You buy your tokens, and you put them in, and you go play these games. And what happens? You get these tickets. It really feels kind of good. Uh, one of my favorites is the whack-a-mole. Uh, whether you're hitting anything or not, you're just beating this thing. It's just like, you know, if you're frustrated, go to Chuck E. Cheese and buy a couple of tokens and take it out on a whack-a-mole. That seems like a good strategy. Uh, so you're, you're doing this, and then you're like, you know, you do the skee-ball thing, and it goes up way in the corner, and you get like a million points or whatever that thing is worth in the, the way up in the corner thing, and then you're like pretending like you did it on purpose and all that kind of stuff, and it's spitting out all these tickets because you got it up in the million-point thing or whatever it is. Um, and so what happens? You spend all this money, you get these tickets, and then what? Then you go to the store that they have where they have all this cheap plastic junk, right? So you got 1,786 tickets or 17,086 tickets or whatever you got, and you paid probably $27.50 for your tickets. And what do you do? You go to the store and you liberate from these people a mug. I just paid $27.50 for a mug. Woo! I paid $9.99 for a box of sweet tarts. <laughs> right? Like this is what you get. Or some little uh, plastic or rubberized insect or something that you can leave in your sister's pillow or what. <laughs> Who knows? Right? That's what you get. It doesn't seem like it's very fair. All right? But keep that illustration of redemption in mind because it, it really is the language that Paul wants us to understand. In, in slavery, in New Testament times, a slave could be redeemed by somebody coming and paying a price to set them free. So at, at, at Chuck E. Cheese, you come and you, you 
buy these tickets and you set that item free by paying for it. It's ridiculous. They wouldn't have been thinking quite that way, but they would have thought about using funds to set something free. And slavery would have been a very um, contemporary issue for them in a way they would have understood this in an economic sense. And so I, I hope today that we want to, uh, we, we do experience this in an economic sense. In him we have redemption. We've been bought. So think about that. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So look at just those words right there. His blood, forgiveness, and grace. There is no forgiveness from God without blood sacrifice. All throughout the Old Testament, we see blood sacrifice of animals over and over being necessary for the worship of God, necessary for the intervention that we as human beings seek in our hearts. No longer is that the case if we have this redemption in Jesus. That was the verse that we heard from Hebrews earlier. That means the sacrifice, and here's where it gets really good. Think back to the Wells Fargo wagon. Think back to Amazon. Think back to uh, Chuck E. Cheese or Dave and Buster's. It doesn't cost you anything. There is no investment that we make into getting into God's family. There's no investment we make into earning our forgiveness or our salvation. It is free according to the riches of his grace. The only thing that's rich in here is God in his grace. And we can't separate that from him choosing us to be adopted into his family. He is gracious and it's rich and abundant. Look at verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Here's God lavishing grace upon human beings who don't deserve it. And having wisdom that is an insight that is completely above anything we could ever have if we put all of the brain power of all humans together all at once. We wouldn't have what God has when it comes to wisdom and insight. Verse 9, he made known, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. And verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Here we are kind of back to the beginning where all this is coming from heaven to earth. God is opening up the storehouses of his abundant blessing and wanting us to have it and saying, here you can have it, but you have to respond in faith to Jesus Christ. That's it. You ever felt abandoned by this world? Somebody ever did you wrong? Or hurt you and you're sitting there wondering, how did this happen? How did I get into this place? Who is it that could ever love me? Some of these relationships I have that have, are so totally broken. I don't know how these can ever be repaired. We have a God who perfectly loves us and welcomes us in. Out of that brokenness and neediness and loneliness and longing that any child up for adoption would ever see that permanence in their family we experience it in God through Jesus Christ and just don't ever lose sight of these verbs it's in love that God does this he lavishes it upon us he wants us to have these things for our good and for his glory but he doesn't want us to go find it on our own or earn it on our own he wants to do it through his plan which is sending Jesus Christ as that sacrifice his blood for us, we are redeemed by God. Do we really want to live our lives for God's glory? Do we really want an identity 
that is not attached to this world and is swallowed up under the reality and the covering of heaven itself, then we need to turn away from our plans and our ways and our sins and our trials and tribulations. And we need to trust that God knows what he's doing. We want to say, I want to glorify you, Lord, and I trust and believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin, that his blood is the payment. I want to be in your family, God, and I'm coming in through faith in Jesus Christ, and I realize it's the only way. That can speak to you today, whether you've never committed your life to Jesus. If that's you, you're listening to this, and you're saying, I don't have that relationship. I can't say specifically I'm a part of God's family. Today, you can do that. You can respond and say, by faith, I'm walking in. I'm going to Thanksgiving dinner at God's house this year. I'm going to be in the family because there's plenty of room, and he wants me to be there. We see that. You can be redeemed. You can be redeemed by his blood, not your effort. In this, I hope we also see that God is here to help us in any situation and that he is here to be a secure and loving God when sometimes our human relationships break down on us. He is an amazing father who adopts us and loves us and can hold us steady as we're working through whatever life may may bring our way. I hope these things about identity will continue to speak to us. We're just getting started, and it's amazing, amazing stuff. I want to invite you to pray with me. We're going to spend just a couple moments in prayer before we close uh, singing about the great love of God. But let's, let's go to the Lord. I want to ask you to respond today in just a couple of ways. God, right now as we pray, would you be with anybody in this room, uh, be with anybody listening uh, who would say, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to enter into those promises by faith. I'm realizing that God is a loving God who wants to adopt me into his family. Um, please, right now where you are, respond. Say, Lord, forgive my sin. I trust the blood of Jesus is enough. I don't trust my own effort. I don't have any offering. I don't have anything I could bring that could make that uh, the wrong of my sin right before God. I don't have anything. I lay my life at your feet, God, uh, through Jesus Christ, your son, in power and glory. If that's what you're doing, know that God's a part of it. Know that he's drawing you to himself. He loves you. He's going to work in your life. The possibilities are endless of what can happen as he helps you work through uh, any difficulty that you may uh, be feeling or experiencing, uh, you can surrender those to God. Uh, he may not end it today. Uh, you may have to continue to walk in it, but uh, he is a perfect parent who, who loves us and is willing to work with us. If you want more prayer on that, have more questions, please uh, see me afterwards or ask somebody that you came with.